welcome, 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 podcast listeners. It is Fret Talk number 239. And you are here with your host, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. You are not joined by Matt Quine. Don't say... Hi, not Matt. <laughs> Who's that? Who? Who is that? Not Matt, hi. That, that is not Matt Quine. It is Mr. Will with the hair. Hello. Oh, say hi, Will. It's been a hot minute. It has been one indeed hot minute. Well, ironically, it's very cold, um, but it has yeah, been it has a hot been. minute. Yeah. Um, it was so cold this morning on my drive to work. I put my um, my window wipers on with the with the squirter, uh, and it froze instantly. And I was driving <laughs> blind for about a minute. Mate, oh we had that on the motorway a few months ago. We were driving along, and we didn't have like the really cold. Um, uh, it's almost like antifreeze wind washer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was driving along, and I put it on, and I was like, "What's going on?" And as I spread it, it was the water wasn't frozen as it was coming out, but it was freezing yeah. on the screen. Yeah, yeah, because it was spreading. So, hang on, hang one moment. That's not Will's voice that I heard then. That was Lee Padabadabadadoom. doom. Hello. It's been it's been a hot minute for you too. Yes, I, I've aged about fifty years Indeed. in that time. It's been it's been hard. Yes. Hey, well, we yeah, gentlemen. It's been rough, man. It's been rough. We 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 all had the uh, Rona, so it was horrible, absolutely fucking horrible. But we're beating it. It's hanging on a little bit though. It's uh, but you know we're we're getting there. I can podcast now. Woo! And grow quite the beard. Yeah, just uh, it was less kind of growing and more just not doing anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you you've not been well though, have you, man? Me? Yeah, how you feeling? Um, yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm surviving. So it's a start, you know, still in the game. Indeed. Yeah, no, I've been. I'm I'm okay. Um, it was like a mild cold kind of thing. The whole aching and. Like sore throat and mucus coming from many orifices, but still got that. It, it, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Like it's it's nothing that's gonna get me down unless it does, and then I'll be dead. So it doesn't really matter then, does it? <laughs> um, Lovely. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> welcome to the health health hour uh, or yeah. the unhealth hour. That's it. I mean, but like show goes on, doesn't it? Like last week was. I was much, much worse, and you can hear by the end of the podcast that my voice was giving out. Right, yeah. I was I was listening back to uh, the news that I did last week, and I was comparing it to the one I did previously to that, and I feel like I've dropped like uh, like an octave or something. <laughs> everything sounds rougher and like more already. Yeah. It's just uh, coarser but... and a bit more manly. Manly. Manly, see, gone from boyly to manly. Cutting some like voice acting reels or something. You might get a couple like voice acting gigs out of it. <laughs> this yeah. is how you drive the Ford F one fifty. This is how you drive me crazy. You drive okay. me crazy. <laughs> Indeed, we've we've got some catching up too, haven't we? I feel like um, Will, you should probably kick us off because it has been. As you as you quite aptly put, one hot minute, one hot minute, indeed. Uh, God, so, where, where do I, where do you, I even start? 
I um, want you to start, said the voice of God. Probably at the beginning. <laughs> uh, well, after my last appearance like a year ago, uh, still yeah. been working on some pedals, uh, still been working on something interesting like that coming out soon. Um, but then um, we were in the midst of trying to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought the house. Uh, and then we came into a lot of trouble um, with the previous sellers having lied to us about a whole load of things and hidden a whole load of damage that wasn't caught in the survey. Um, we had to rip out uh, one of the walls. We had to rip out all of the ha- the carpet in the house. Um, so obviously the fleas. Oh, yeah, the fleas too. Yeah, that was why we had to get rid of the carpets. We rug doctored them like four times and it was coming up black every single time. Oh, God. It was... <clears throat> Spare you the gory details, uh, but the the last amount of like time of my life has just been getting it so that I could like live and work in what should have been like what you do in the first week or two when you buy a house. Yeah. Is you move in, you, you're like, I'm going to put this cabinet here. Not, I'm going to rip down that friggin' wall. Um so that's been fun. Uh, but then we got the studio in here and I've built some acoustic treatment, but I've also been pretty injured as well. As I was saying before we started uh, recording that I, I had an L3 uh, lumbar uh, disc slip. So anyone who's had real trouble with their back uh, or had disc slip can uh, understand that. And I've had to downsize all of my music gear because I can't carry anything heavy anymore. So oh. I jokingly, before we started, I jokingly asked my wife if she wanted to join us. She works in a medical field. She really should have, shouldn't she? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that would have been nice. But yeah, I uh, had to sell my two by twelve cab, go into a little, the tiny Victory one by twelve. Oh man! But yeah, so otherwise things have been, you know, going okay. We're just sort of still recovering. We've done about. 40% of the house is livable. So we've got three rooms. Like, we've got somewhere to sleep. We've got a temporary living room because we haven't started the living room yet. And then uh, the studio here, which, though, the light did just break. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, swings and roundabouts. Well, we'll get there. I'll, I'll fix that in a bit. Indeed. Way goes. You've really... You've also been doing some uh, some bandy band stuff recently, haven't you? You've, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'd actually finished that music video before we bought the house. Oh, nice. And in my infinite wisdom, I was just like, oh, I'll be all right. We'll move in. And then I can put that music video out after like a couple, two weeks when everything's calmed down. <laughs> uh, several months later. Um, yeah. I'd, I wouldn't recommend buying a property during the pandemic to anyone. It was not a not a good time yeah i will second that yeah <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure yeah. but it's not it's just nice to be on, on with you guys finally have some free time so yeah it's like we've been talking throughout the whole thing oh it's yeah just, you've been <laughs> yeah. really busy yeah yeah it's For not sure. it's not like we've just been ignoring you you've been dead to us because <laughs> you're not being on the podcast <laughs> yeah uh though usually we do do the section of like what what have you been checking out this week or like uh what gear have you been messing around with um in the in the effort of reducing all of the load that a rocket complex has of like all the big stuff that we got to take out on the road yeah. um we used to have this huge um uh 10u rack that we'd bring with bring with us with a laptop in-ear sends uh, like yeah. a bass amp where we'd reamp the bass live um yeah. and stuff like that 
But obviously, I can't lift that anymore. Um, so we were like, okay, well, how, what are we going to do? And I found that you can actually load a single stereo file onto a Boss RC5. One, nice. On one side of the stereo file, you can have all of your backing track with a click, and that goes to your in-ear. Uh, and then the other side can just go to front house. So one Boss pedal got rid of one 10U rack. I mean, it's boss are amazing. The, the company cool. that keep on giving, aren't they? I know, right? So. I've got one of those. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, like, hmm. Yeah, all, all you do is you you know load up Tone Studio, do that thing because you can split the outputs to be a left and right, um, and you make it so you can do one shot, so you can load a backing track onto it. The one shot mm. means it will play once, so the big red button on it becomes a start stop, and that's mm. all it does. So. The the RC five is just a backing track machine. That I imagine that would would be a solution for quite a few people had they oh, yeah. known. Yeah, quite, quite interesting. And you can also um, control it by MIDI. So I've got it set up for all of my loop switcher will change all my pedals and stuff. But as I bank up, each one of my banks is a song. It ah. will change the song. So I just need to press bank up and then start. And start. And oh. that's it. it. Real simple. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's a, a not nice way to have to find it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, it is the mother of invention, isn't it? The um... yeah necessity. Yeah. Do you know what? I got an RC free in a trade once, and it had a bunch of backing tracks on it. Um, so I think you could do that with the RC free as well. Yeah, you might have been able to. Um, the RC5 is fantastic. I, I use it in, with MIDI as well. And um, mm. I've got like a bank set up that my switcher becomes like the rest of the looper. Okay. So I've got a different button assigned to, to uh, do different things and like like stop. You know, you can do the reverse thing on it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is so cool. It, you know, that is it'll so cool. Play back at, or it'll reverse a bit of the loop. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's, not it's ideal so for your cool. backing tracks though <laughs> <laughs> you're just on stage midway yeah. through something trying Although to figure out how to play it backwards Shit. solo it, it could work for if you're doing uh call me al you know that they've yeah. got that backwards <laughs> bass solo halfway yeah. through it yeah yeah but I, it's amazing that that pedal has midi in such a small form form factor for boss and that they're able to figure out all of the extra places but it's got such a big screen. In my head, I'm looking at it and be like, they could easily take this platform and do other smaller MIDI devices yeah. off of just that if people are happy to jump into a menu with one single like rotary encoder, which is what the RC5 has. <clears throat> like it, do, it does push as well. Yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like it, it's a a pot and a button. Mm. So like. Yeah. You could easily, I say you could easily, but with the right chipset, you definitely could set up some kind of delay or reverb situation, some sort of ambient pedal just based off that. But it'd take a lot of programming to get in with just that interface. So I hope they do something else with that, like kind of setup of like the little tiny screen and one button rather than just for the RC. Isn't that essentially what the uh, the Line 6 M5 does? Because that's just got a, a rotary and a, a, a push. But it's got yeah, two that's... foot controls as well. But it's much bigger. Yeah, yeah, it's a much bigger <laughs> um, much bigger pedal. 
it was yeah. released about 15 years ago. So What do you say? It was M6, was it? Uh, M5. M5. M5, that's it. M6. M5. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there are other ro- rotary encoders on the top. Well, there. If I'm looking at the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've used it. It's it's in a cupboard somewhere. Um, Lee, Lee, it's been a while since you've been on. It's yes. been a while. Um, you have been unwell. Um, but what have, what have you been up to in that time? Because um, uh, yeah, I've been um, I have been doing a few bits and pieces recently. Um, I've been getting the new video studio ready, which that is now looking awesome. Uh, it looks so so cool. Is we've got like this um, almost like Chesterfield red sofa like leather sofa which um isn't a chesterfield but it's like that sort of colors leather it just looks awesome is that the one with the like rivets through it yeah you know did what you I mean? not see it if i not send you a picture okay let me i think i sent it in the, in the um it should be in the group chat have a look in the group chat oh yeah like one of those yeah okay yeah yeah but it's got a higher back um but yeah it looks like it's got rivets um but this one doesn't that that's great radio. <laughs> um, yeah, so getting the new studio, uh the filming studio sorted. Yeah, um and also like the rest of the garage turned into a an office. Um what I did um the other day is I bought some curtain rails and some thick curtains because a lot of the walls are really crap in the in the garage. Uh yeah. from they they've used the wrong like concrete to repair it, so it's blown. So I'm going to put curtains up along the walls to deaden the sound mm. because it, it was horrible and it was like really echoey. So all the way down, I'm going to put curtains a little bit away from the wall all the yeah. way down. That will keep it warm in there as well along the um, entrance. Um, uh, but, be careful yeah. that it doesn't get too dead though because it, it, it might sound horrible, but like, if you do an entire yeah, wall of it, it, it will probably sound very anechoic. Firstly, the um, what I hear in the room isn't what's going to be recorded. What's going to be recorded is going to be straight into the computer. Oh, okay, fine, yeah. Because I'm going out my board, so it will all be going into like Boss and Two Notes and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, and it's just going to make my life so much easier than micing everything up. Mm. Um, so, but secondly, because it's on curtains, I'm, I'm going to be able to adjust it, aren't I? So that that has been cool. Um, I've I have been playing with pedals quite a bit. Um I've been like, using... what, what we what we've been what we've been talking. Have you have you made any recent well, I can't remember if this came before or after I was last on. Hey. Uh we haven't spoken about Andy that before. Likes. All right, so in my hands I have something and in my other hand I have the Pantheon Dual Overdrive Deluxe, which is a king of tone, basically. Um, yeah. You know, everyone listening will know what it is. Um, but it's kind of like, I, I think we described it when, when they first released it as like the ultimate king of tone. Um, in that, A, you can get it the next day. <laughs> Not yeah, four it's, years it's down readily line. available, yeah. B, it takes MIDI. Um, I mean, but... Who cares about MIDI? The MIDI only switches the channels on and off. So don't think that you're going to be programming presets on here. You're not. I don't but... think you would want to anyway. 
I don't know. Are you talking on my behalf, sir? No, no. I, well, what I mean is, like, if you have a king of tone, you usually do one or two things of it. It's usually set up in a very specific way. So, yeah. it's you're yeah. either doing like distortion, then boost after, or like a channel one, channel two situation. There's not really, you can't really shape it too much. Not that it's not a versatile circuit, but like I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at that. And my first immediate thought was, I need to save eight thousand presets for this. You know, yeah. Like you do with there's not, delay. there's not too much you can do with it because the like the tone control on it, you you dial into the guitar and the the setup you're using you yeah don't, it's not necessarily that you're using it to go okay here i'm now getting this type of tone and now i'm getting it. it's very much you, you get a tone don't you I know yeah. what you're saying about the tone control, but there is a, another control on here that is more specific to your rig which is the presence control it's global it's in the middle here and it was really useful because um, it's just designed to take back a bit of your um, a bit of your presence, basically a bit of your highs. So if you find it's a little bit dark, you can just dial it in, and li- literally, I found myself dialing about ten percent of it, and it was perfect. I only needed that. And Brian does say Brian Wampler obviously makes this. He did say that you start off with it at zero. And then you dial in just as much as you need. Yeah. Um, now it's got tons on tap, you know, but um, just about 10% was perfect for me. I find that really interesting it's that nice. it's a global control. Yeah. Because usually the presence is... Um, I'm just looking at the schematic for the King of Tone now. I think I'm remembering this right. Yeah. It, the presence control should be at the very end of the, the circuit. On, on both of them so that's really interesting <laughs> that there should be two of them because in the king of tone it was a um maybe there is two of them and maybe it's controlling the little both. tiny one you know uh, what are they called the little tiny trim. pots you put them trims. I, I know what i'm talking oh, trim, about. Trim pots. Trim pots. Trim pots, yeah yeah, yeah the, the king of tone has them on the inside don't uh, we all what? <laughs> so what trim i really like what what I really liked about this is you can get it from sounding like a, a transparent-ish sort of clean boost. Um, you can get it sounding because you've got like uh, two three-way switches on either side, so you can get your ones for gain level and ones for voicing. Um, yeah, you can make either side sound really high gain if you wanted to. And but what I think what most people do is uh, a lower gain. Um, a medium gain then when you put them on together you get your high gain yeah. and they're all voiced so it all kind of like sounds like you if you sound like this <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah it, it's it's really really cool I, I like it a lot I like that it's got the four jacks on it as well so you can run either side into two, cha- yeah, two like, positions on your loop switcher oh yeah, yeah so that's you, so cool so you can order switch then as well yeah, yeah exactly yeah. You have got I a button prefer... on here for order switching, but you yeah. uh, can't. But then you can do it exter- Yeah, you can you can do it externally then, rather than. I having... would prefer the four mm. jacks over having one of those switches any day, because then you can put anything in between them. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So you can stick a flanger in there if you want to. Because mm. that's that's Just the treat it almost like an effects loop. <laughs> yeah i'll tell you what is nice on this in terms of design. I was talking to Stuart Tate about this earlier. Can you see the LEDs? Yeah, yeah how... they're um 
Um, sunk. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really cool design. I, I've got the Terraform on my board, and mm. that has the same thing. Same I, size, I, yeah. I don't think that's an off-the-shelf case. I, I think, think that it case is, is custom-made. No, I think it's exactly the same as... No, actually, it, might, it isn't. I've got um, the Hertz from Latent Lemon here, and <clears> um, it looks identical, but when I put them up against each other, the Latent Lemon is a little bit too, taller. Yeah. So, yeah, you might be right. The Terraform is a custom folded case, but that, that seems to be extruded like all of the, you know, the standard um, Earthquaker JHS style of those cases. They extruded al- aluminium. Yeah. Um, t- in terms of tones, it's great. Really, really good. It's taken the OD200 off of my board. Really? Which has been on my board for ages. Uh, the main reason it took it off the board was because it was a, a great contender to swap it out and i wanted to have it on there for a while and try to see if i do want to replace the od 200 with it i think i might i, I do I think see. i might however there is something coming out this month that may replace this um which is the uh kernan ridge which we spoke about fairly extensively yes yeah the the midi controlled um like everything gain stage yeah, yeah. it's Absolutely. all game stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, like a like an analog version of the OD two hundred, isn't it? Basically, do we know yeah. if you can do presets on that? Where or is it just off on <clears throat> one preset? One preset. Okay. One preset. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I I wish they had uh, had have added more. There is space on there to like add more, but um, they've had such a hard time in getting parts. Yeah. just for what it is i'm kind of glad that they didn't as well because it was supposed to come out in january yeah there's yeah. it's been such a massive problem the parts shortage there are there are ways that you could do that with more readily available chips but if you've already done the programming for you know your controller on one specific chipset it may not translate to another one um so you you might be kind of stuck with uh just the one but there are ways where you could get it like even as simple as an arduino um to be able to save the positions of your parts but then how do you get in into doing all that i I prefer to stay with analog now we we don't know what you're saying yeah of course i know what arduino is of you do it's like a raspberry pi yeah it's like like, it's it's like a, a core module of it isn't it it's yeah yeah, it's yeah. like a, a, it's a standard, small part of the... Yeah. Yeah, because... Standard uh, controller. Right, okay. Chip. Yeah, awesome. but it's it's definitely veering off the off the course of, like, guitar enthusiasts. No, it's neat. <laughs> yeah, to, like, this program. is the thing. When you become a pedal builder, it it you just kind of go off the rails nerding out about electronics. So this man who's made one pedal and hasn't even released it. <laughs> yeah well you know i've had problems in the meantime it's it's that's my next project now the but this time with passion music video is out the next project is getting people in a room in a studio playing the pedal and that's going to be the marketing videos so cool it'll cool, happen cool, cool 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 yeah i'm really looking forward to that actually i'm looking forward to seeing it man yes I'm, yeah i'm just it, I, uh, I've A-B'd it constantly because you, you second-guess yourself all the time with everything you make. It's like, is that good? Is 
is that good enough? And then you like A B yourself versus like other uh blue over driver pedals from <laughs> Japan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um I mean and you compare the, yourself with There are definitely a few out there, so Yeah, of those super large mod style <laughs> pedals. Um and and then you go like, no, I'd always pick that one. Yeah. So and I've had other people do that same same test and it always blows me away when someone says and tries it. They're like, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean like, it's it's uh, a good circuit, like as a starting point, that, that particular drive pedal. Yeah, that particular blues yeah. over driver. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it it like it sits in a nice place between kind of like the green style overdrive mm-hmm. and and like the the ds1 where that's that goes a little bit too far in like it's too bright and there's not enough uh controller in that mid-range it's not quite yeah. it's a little bit scooped and a little bit mm. thin sounding speaking so of ds1s <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yes yes speaking yes. of ds1s lee yes speaking what's of- happened this week this week, uh, I don't know. You tell me. You did it literally like an hour ago, like before this podcast. Uh, a super secret, sneaky drop on pedal boards of doom. It it wasn't even planned for this week, but it it, it came out. I uh, I gave um, gave five reasons why you should own a blue uh, a blues driver. <laughs> you um, I mean, that's got, that's going to be the one. That's going to be the follow up. I, I gave you five <laughs> reasons why you should own a DS1 in 2022. Um, and this is a video that when when I started this podcast, I definitely didn't think I would be making that video because I hated on the DS1 with a passion. Um, but it's grown on me. Um, and I I ended up doing a three minutes and ten second love letter to the DS1. Oh, that's um, cute. I think you reason should number do... one. It's orange, and orange is the best color. <laughs> have, have you watched the video? <laughs> <laughs> I think you should do one actually dedicated to the real blue box mail. The, I mean, I, I like. See, what do you mean the real one? Do you not he, like the poly one? He he. Uh, um, yeah, but I, I I just want to see the real one. Yeah. So, uh, not last oh, no, week. The, the no, week no, before, it wasn't on... the poly we did. It was the um, it was a clone he he uh, demoed recently. Ah, yeah, okay. I, I had a I had a clone kicking about, and it was like a modded version, so it had like a sub octave hmm. switch on it as well. So nice. some would argue better than the original uh, blues box, blues box, blue box. Uh... Yeah, don't throw things. No, <laughs> just because we've. Forsaken your one true darling. Uh, I would I would like to see the video where Lee gives us two valid reasons why you need to own a blue box in 2022. Um, Man, ones that aren't just, a... I like it and you should own it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the, the five reasons I think are pretty valid for the, the DS1. It's it's a lot more versatile than people give it credit for. Um, so it's blue box. The blue box, <laughs> the blue box is many things. Versatile is not one of those. No. I'll tell you why. Actually, uh, that's that's not true. It is 
I did a demo on one recently. You can get pretty much full on um, fuzz tones of it, or you can make it sound like an eight bit Nintendo. Now try and do that with a DS one. Yes, however, they're kind of within the same ballpark. Whereas you can't go blues overdrive with a blue box. You you can you can only really do extreme sounds, and the 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 flavor of those extreme sounds can be changed, but it's still. I, I tell you what, though, like some the average average Joe, uh, mm-hmm. like my brother looks at my pedal board and goes, "What does that one do?" <laughs> and then he's still. I think that one goes beep beep. Like most people don't know. So when someone's like, there's a dramatic switch. Yeah. Onto the blues box, an extreme setting. Yeah. Can oh, yeah. be quite obvious. Yeah, it's it's where, it's exciting. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Whereas if you're stacking like your 85th game stage, um, <laughs> and going, most no, people are going to be like, "Why do you have yeah, that many?" You've got to really listen. Stop talking yeah. and listen to the listen it's to the so tone transparent. Change. Yeah, do you know what? That's a bit like the Pantheon because when you set these <laughs> up the same, when you set them up yeah. exactly the same, they are different. Yeah. You need okay. to know what you're listening for. <laughs> you know, it, to me, it's clear as night and day. But if I said to I, my I wife, could see Lee with that's... like a really big glass of wine with the cork in his other hand being <laughs> like, just sniffing it, being like, yeah, so, so very different, subtle. I, I mean, There's I think so many they're, they're obviously great different, notes. but I think if, if someone who didn't know what they were looking at were, was to listen to it, I'd go, let's, let's sound the same enough, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, but, you know, they do sound different because one is based on the Pantheon, one is pretty much a straightforward um, blues, uh, Not I want to say blues driver. Breaker. Breaker, yes. Breaker driver, yes. Yeah, it's because yeah. we've been talking about blues drivers. Um or, or have we? I wouldn't. I wouldn't overdrivers. know. <laughs> Blue, yeah. Blues, blues is overdrives. The blues driver is distortion, isn't it? Technically, it. Uh, it I mean, what do you count as? Because if you're counting it as a hard clipping circuit, then yes. But then, like, not every tube stage is soft clipping. Do you ever wish you didn't ask? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Because if that's your distinction, I think it's how far you go, and the you know the blue overdrivers from Japan can certainly do uh, yeah. that stuff, especially above fifty percent gain. It just becomes complete fuzz. So yeah. it's in there, but then it's also got just kind of drive and overdrive. If you, if you run one of them really hot into like a, a very loud tube amp, it sounds mental. It sounds absolutely mega. And they clean up so nicely as well on the on the guitar. Yep. Well, Wait. that's um, the stages are based off of even in the marketing material from Boss, they are black panel Fender amps. Is yeah. is the uh, circuit basically, um, more or less? So you're running even through a three band Fender uh, tone stack that is hard set in a specific way. <clears throat> so we're probably quite used to that kind of gain stage and how that breaks up and cleans up because it's more or less basically an amp yeah i, what, I, I would think I get, it's one of the first amp in a box overdrives the, the older i get the more i realize i i really like fender amps and i was mm. always like fender amps are for old men i like marshalls and i like to rock out and cock out sort <laughs> of thing and it was like as i get older i realize that fender amps do metal really well 
And it hence mm. Metsubugi and all these sort of things, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you, you've you now transitioned into being an old man and old men <laughs> like fender ramps. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm not that many years away from 40. You ain't kidding. It's Indeed. scary. Oh, my God. And uh, mm. when we hit 40, wow. we have to grow up and get real jobs and stop talking about our toys. Do we? I think so. No. Not loud. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah, box that. Right. I, I'm not up. sitting here with my Batman teddy behind me and my my, yeah. def, my Darth Vader toy. I'm gonna take yeah. Gotta take my Toy Story blanket and leave. Yeah. Come on, baby <laughs> um, Yoda. Come with me. <laughs> no one's taking away my Sharknado pop vinyl. No one's gonna do it. <laughs> you still got that. No one will. <laughs> yeah. Look at this thing. It's so dumb. Nice. Right, so I think we should we should probably stop the pontification and get on with some real, real hard hitting hot takes. Trying it's to sound time clever for any. some pontification, news. indeed. So lukewarm hot takes is back. Oh, we're doing, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna start off by summing up last uh, last week's one and say what happened in the polls. It it was a lot closer than i thought it would i thought i would be absolutely trounced last week and people unanimously voting that maiden were better but in our official poll not the one that you put on your facebook andrew bimson <laughs> and the official poll <laughs> it is even Stephen. so i'm taking that as a win because C- can we accept that when it was classic when it was like Free, say ninety seven, something like that. Maiden were well on top of it, but as soon as Painkiller came out, it was like not only did Priest trash Maiden, Priest basically trashed everyone with Painkiller. I mean, they, they became like the best thing to ever happen to music. Painkiller is fantastic, but Judas Priest have got some absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, in the seventies and eighties, so I, I I can't concede that. However, it's come out evens, which I I thought was was completely out there. I threw it as a hot take, expecting to be to be trashed for that, um, and <laughs> I didn't. On the other on the other poll, though, the one where we basically argued that there weren't any more headlining acts, um. Our listener base basically called us old boomers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so even Bimson called us boomers. Well, called you boomers. Yeah, um, it's, it's me. Like, what about Imagine Dragons? And they're like, Imagine Dragons. I've, I've got a good test Ew, for that. I think. Yeah. Well, the, what's the name of the heavy rock festival that happens that's near Derby? Uh, Bloodstock. Oh, download. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're not old, because I, in my work chat I worked oh, uh, with monsters some of significantly rock. older gentlemen, and they were like, "Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I can't wait to like you know see those guys play at Monsters of Rock." And I was like, "What? The fuck? Yeah, <laughs> it's not been called that in like twenty years." No. Do you know what? I went to a Monsters of Rock. Um, it was actually at the Milton Keynes Bowl, and it was really? a, okay. Probably about eighteen years. Oh my god. Yep. There we go. <laughs> It was really good though. It had um, it was great bands. Queensrights were on. 
That they were fantastic. They, I think they just released Operation Mindcrime too. That's um, yeah, great album, sir. Um, Thunder were there and Journey. Journey were rubbish, uh, but Alice Cooper, man, Alice Cooper was so, oh, yeah. so good. He always puts on a good show. Alice and- Cooper, man, is my favourite superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Marvel. all the powers of Alice Cooper? But um, <laughs> uh, headlining was Deep Purple as well, so it was like perfect. Nice. Oh, I ended up walking out of course, of course. Around that that point, that would have been around kind of like two thousand three, two thousand four ish. I ended up walking out of a Deep Purple concert. They were just not good. Wow, amazing. They were trying. I mean, they were playing some of the, their new material, which was something to do with bananas. Yeah, that's what? that's not a new album that came out in the nineties. Yeah, but it was it was their new material at that point. Nineties, um, I'm sure it did. And they were like, they were trying to force this crap down our throats. Um, and Steve Morse isn't as good as Blackmore. Just he just isn't. Um, and it was just it, like all of the old classic purple. It just was not. Oh, um, came out in two thousand and three, actually. Jesus. Yes, which is what I said. Yeah, you're uh, right. um, yeah it, it was just like the the material was terrible, and Gillen weren't Gillen no more. Like he was, he was about as good as Coverdale is these days. Uh, and this was like twenty years ago as well, pretty much. Some um, of their albums that that they've released since then have been really good, though. Uh, but that banana shit was absolutely fucking terrible. I've got to listen to this because this sounds nuts. No, it, is, it, it, it is bananas, <laughs> my friend. Bananas. Um, but yeah, so I ended up walking out of um, walking out. Of that. I walked out of a um, a Pink Floyd tribute act as well because I heard the two songs that I I knew at the time. I was like, yeah, that'll do me. <laughs> Well, which one? Uh, like time and money, they played them. No, 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 no. What what was the cover band? Oh, I can't remember. They they were really good though, to be fair. But like the Aussie Pink Floyd are really really good. I mean, it, I saw it, them. It, it weren't them. It was like a oh, okay, like a more local version. But they they were really good. They put on a great show. But I just did local not give Pink two Floyd shit for local people. <laughs> yeah, I didn't give two shits about Pink Floyd apart from those two songs. And it was it wasn't like a, a tribute gig just for them. There was. Uh, like Fleetwood Mac tribute before them as well, and I went okay. really to see that. Uh, so I stuck around and saw like the two songs that I knew, and was like, "It's not going to get any better than this." So, Law of Diminishing Returns says I need to leave now. Uh, so I just walked out. Man, oh, I know it's it's horrible, isn't it? It was but, fantastic. Um, I mean, if, I, I, if I, it works for you, it works for you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but most people are like that, though. Most people want to listen or see one or two songs from an artist and just don't care. Yeah, like about any of their other material, and they're just bored for the other hour of the show. I want to yeah. see, I want to see people like decent musicians playing. Yeah, like, same. Hear good tone. I want to, but oh, the average man. Joe is happy enough to have something like X Factor, yeah. and that's their experience with music. I mean. I, I can't say that was my experience at the time, but I was I was there to to get drunk. Um, 
and, and listen. Be honest. Yeah, and listen to the tune. And I'd, I'd already at that point had enough drink to be satisfied. Um, and I heard the two songs that I knew. I was like, it ain't getting better than this. This is the best point to end the night. I'm off. Um, and the venue sold um, hot pork sandwiches as well. Like we've um, what? Oh, this sounds like an amazing venue. Oh, what, where is. was it? It's it's the the Robin in Bilston. Um, it's <laughs> okay. it's still it's still a fantastic venue. And once once you're absolutely tanked up after the after the tribute act, there's a little hot pork bap um, van. Was it like a, a burger van out back, or yeah, is it like in it, the pub? It's it's at the exit as you leave. So they've they've got they've got it down to an art. Um, Most people sell they, look, t-shirts. They, yeah, I, I, merch doesn't exist in in the Midlands. It's it no, the, the merch is all in, all in the venue itself, so you could buy the merch if you want. But they yeah. know exactly what like what's going on. You're getting in there, you're getting tanked, and then you come in coming out of this one exit to the car park. There's there's the hot pork sandwich area. You you fill yourself a whole up. area. Yeah, it's got like paint on the floor and specifically it's, says it's, hot pork sandwich. I mean, God. I think I think that was another Deep Purple album. Yeah, must be, yeah. yeah. that was bananas. their follow-up to bananas and it was uh better um, actually I've, the one after that was rapture of deep and that was a fucking good album i think we've we've uh veered off just a little bit here because we were going to talk about a hot take go on <laughs> we're now we're talking about hot pork sandwiches um so this is this is one that I expect to be absolutely slaughtered with here i imagine that you're going to put up quite a fight on the cast and I'm probably going to be hung up in the in the Fret Talk podcast group itself. But go on, do it. I've got to do it, haven't I? I've got to do it, right? Yeah. So the statement that I am putting out here this week is: Randy Rhodes weren't the best Aussie guitarist. I'm, I, you know, as time goes on and better and better guitarists are discovered, unearthed from the hills in which they are buried. Um, I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. Because, like, Mick Gordon, the guy who wrote the Doom soundtrack, is an amazing guitarist. Aussie. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I can see that. It's like, but then how do you rate it? Is it, like, more technical? Like, more toneful? Is toneful even a word? So, yeah, toneful. Like, uh, I, d- I don't know. Randy Rhodes' tone never really did it for me. It's okay, but I think... It's heralded as something that it's that for me it's not. So the tone. Can you can you name any aspect of his tone that is like really iconic? I think the the, the bit of his tone that is really iconic is the the absolutely like ninja precision uh, double tracking that he does. Okay. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, I mean it's it's not just that you got to look at how he um um. How, oh, how hang on! You you don't mean Aussie in terms of like Australian. You no. mean of oh my god, because that's what god. I thought you meant. Really? Aussie, is he? Yeah, that's what I thought you were talking about. And then I looked not, him up, and I was like, I swear that guy's American. Not not Aussie, no, no uh, Aussie as in Aussie Osborne. <laughs> I thought he was having a song when he said this earlier. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my dear god! So. <gasps> Okay. Right. All right. So let's start that one can again. Can we can we just start the section over again? <laughs> no, no, that is staying in. That is staying in. Absolutely. I don't I don't want this. <laughs> um just just let it happen. <laughs> just let it happen. Um so 
Okay, Ozzy yeah. Osbourne. Randy Rhodes is is not, well, for me, was not the best Ozzy guitarist. Mm. Okay, it's Ozzy's best guitarist overall has to be Iommi, without a doubt, because he. But I'm, I'm t- yeah, I'm talking like solo because like yeah, none well, of them touch Sabbath. None I'm of them not, touch Sabbath. I'm not. <laughs> right, you got to consider us. You got to consider Iomi. You can't have this conversation without talking about Iomi. Um, so Iomi. Um, in which case, then yeah, hands the down, it's Iomi. It's hands down. The guy like, almost single-handedly invented metal. Yeah, I mean the the four four guys did from from Birmingham. I was um, actually saying to my wife before we started this podcast. I was saying I was just playing some tritone. Uh, uh, like on on the yeah. guitar, just I just happened to like do a lot of harmonica and yeah, play Black and Sabbath the tritone, and yeah, and I said, so can you imagine going from like this and I played like Peggy Sue, and then going into like a little bit of Hendrix, and then I went into that, and then just did it a couple of times, and then started singing like um, Black Sabbath, and I went, people must have been bricking it, they they must have been. I bet there were people out there who were actually terrified of that. Oh yeah, the, I'm sure. It, yeah, it caused such a controversy. It was it was essentially like the audio version of a horror movie, weren't it? Um, and it yeah. like it's, if, it's it's about a man running away from the devil, scared of him, and people were like, oh, they're devil worshippers. It's like, no, yeah, I just, was just gonna say, is like was. <laughs> Was that record a reaction to that whole movement of where um, televangelists are like playing records backwards and be like, "There's devil in these records," and like, I mean, it didn't have burning to play it the music. <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> that happened later on with the backmasking stuff. That was uh, okay. where there were priests, wasn't it? Um, like it, it Def- definitely did it with priests. Yeah, but the, well, there was there was a couple of them, but it, I think it it was um, it was a big trial in the eighties. Because um, Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister went to court to um, to like make statements against the uh, the um, like the PTA who were essentially like pulling this up, um, and what ended up happening from it was that they ended up sticking those parental guidance stickers on on oh, albums, yeah. which made sales rocket. Because yeah. it's basically saying, "Oh, your parents don't like this." Yeah, yeah. Who, who didn't yeah. want an album that had like, pre- yeah, parental advice? Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. yeah. Um, um, so that was a big fuck you to them, which was brilliant. Um, there's nothing like that in the streaming age now. There's no way because there's oh, like no, you like, have almost no interaction with the the songs now. Well, <sighs> like things like wet ass pussy can exist. So and be huge on TikTok, uh, yeah, ex- which is an app mostly for children. Yeah, yeah exactly that. Um, I mean, but yeah, blame Ozzy could probably get blamed for that as well. <laughs> he can't blame like co- controversy for music. Uh, like controversy in general has has died down, hasn't it? Because there's no shock left. Everything has yeah been done. I mean, if a band brought out the equivalent of Black Sabbath today, it would go mostly unmissed. Well, yeah, it, like it, 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 yeah, it's it's no longer the heaviest or the loudest or whatever. Mm. Um, but then, was that the appeal? Because I don't think the appeal of that music was that it was the heaviest or the loudest. It was scary. Yeah, it, it, yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was new and it was shocking. Um, yeah, but the fact that like the first the pioneers of metal weren't just some like second rate mediocre shit, and they got got big because of the fact that it was shocking. Mm. Their music was fantastic. They did it right first time. Um, mm. That's like Jaws. On the face of it, it's just a film about a shark, and it's not. You know, it's, it's like we've seen a lot of films about sharks which aren't good, um, but. You watch Jaws, it is done so well. It's because oh, yeah. you never see it. it yeah. It's because of the tension of you don't ever know truly what the danger is. That's what makes Jaws so good. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah if it was uh, like within the first five minutes you saw a giant shark coming at someone, you'd be like, okay. You'd be like, oh, okay, we're done. Oh, it's Jaws 2, 3, and I'm sure other, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Or Sharknado, the, shark- the premium shark... Indeed. Where do you go from that? Like, once Jaws has shown you the shark, you've got to include yeah, the tornado. Obviously. Yeah. Once you see the shark, it's got to go in the tornado. Exactly. Absolutely. So uh, after so after um, Iomi, then um, I think it goes uh, Randy Rhodes because his musicality was just absolutely amazing. His technicality was absolutely amazing as well. Then it's um, Zach Wilde because. Him between him and Randy Rhodes and I and, uh, and Iomi, you have how many guitar? How many like singers have had that many iconic guitarists that have sold that many guitars? Because these guys, people, people have picked up a guitar because of Randy Rhodes, Iomi, and Zach Wild. No one picks up a guitar because of Jakey e. Lee. No one. I mean, Jakey e. Lee does I, I have a, a signature. You. No one has picked up a guitar because of Jakey e. Lee. They might have picked it up, but they put it back straight back down again and then picked up a Flying V or picked up a, a Bullseye Les Paul. You know, <laughs> they've. It, it's um, you know, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, and think... then you have got Gus G as well. It's like, yeah, no, 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 no. But yeah, um, look, I'm, I'm saying anything, anything after um, Zach doesn't really count because the music that that was made, like like Gus G. Like no one's really listening to the the Aussie post um, post Zach, and to be fair, I think the Zach era stuff just wasn't up to par. Like Zach as a guitarist, I really like. He's um, he's got a very specific style, and you can tell Zach a mile off. Um, I, think, I really I think, like Black Label as well. I've, I I really dig Black Label Society. I think this is it. I think um, if you compare Iomi to Randy Rhodes, they are night and day. They're black and white. They're completely different. And then oh yeah, like, you compare Randy Rhodes to the kind of the few that like the, the ones after him, and it was like, all right, but they're trying to be Randy. They're they're, they're, they're more or less around that same sort of thing, and then. Zach comes along with his like size 11s on, and he's like, "Get the fucking way! Look, uh, look I'm gonna play some pinch harmonics here, and I don't give a fuck what you think about it." And that's basically what he did, and it was great. It was just—I mean, uh, he was unabashedly Zach. Yeah, um, but for me, for me, Jakey e. Lee uh, era Aussie is the pinnacle. I think. Bark at the Moon is just a, an absolute masterpiece. Great song, uh, great album, um, but really, really, really great. Um, but I don't know. Um, 
Blizzard of Oz, just... I mean, yeah, it, like, <laughs> it, it put Ozzy on the map, didn't it? And I'm not saying, on this, I'm not saying that Randy is a bad guitarist. I'm not. I just don't think his stuff hits the mark as much as, as that the, J.K. Lee era. What do people um, learn to play first? Bark at the Moon or Crazy Train? Uh, crazy Train, because it's train. easier. It's nice. Bark at the Moon is fucking balls to the wall hard. I mean the the riffs, not really, but the, the you know is if you do it properly. There's so between between the like strange kind of upper voice chord changes. There's like these little articulations between the chords, um, which like crazy trade the riff to that the da 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 is your like grade one guitar, my first riff kind of stuff. Oh, it's not. I don't, I, it's I, not. No, it's not. That's a, you should it's go through the grades off, again because there's yeah. absolutely like at least grade five. It's not even off the nut, is it? You know, you're playing. You're playing from one of the hardest places to play on the guitar. You're playing off the second fret. Yeah, it's it's not. It's easy because you've been doing it for years. But if you look at it in like, it's not cowboy chords. No, no, it's not cowboy chords, but it's not. Look, it's not far off those kind of f- first riffs that you learn. And you know that the wait, where you're actually trying to get it to sound like a train. Oh yeah, look, you're like, and you're trying to get that rhythm in. That that you know, it takes some doing, but people learn that shit because not because it's like easy to play. People learn that shit because it sounds wicked. Um, I mean, the moon. That like Crazy Train is not better than Bark at the Moon. Yes. I, I'm just straight up like the riff to Crazy Train is absolutely awesome. Like this f- like awesome foreboding minor riff, and then it goes into the fucking happy. We're all fucking rainbows and pissing. And then where does it unicorns. go from there? It goes into two yeah, it, killer fucking solos. It, but it. it Always comes back to that fucking rainbows and jelly beans. I mean, it's got a dynamic. I'm riding it's, on it's a got, It's got shade and light. It's, 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 there's a lot going on in that song. Mm. No, no. It's just like the, the juxtaposition of the chorus versus the verse. It's just so stark that it just doesn't make musical sense. I don't know, it kind of works. What do you mean it, it kind of works? I, I think this multi, is why this is the hot take. It's a multi-million selling song. Of course, it, yeah, it must it is. work. It, it's a multi-million selling song based on that opening riff. <laughs> and the, the ripping solo. <laughs> That's when Zach well, comes in. We're this like, is Wah! why it's the hot take and why <laughs> the, yeah, the, the audience needs to yeah. uh, go and do the poll, right? This is why they do need to need to bringing the pole this is the other thing about Zach Wilde right he he took those songs and generally made them sound better he he could nail all of the solos that they did every single one of the solos he could absolutely nail and he still managed to add his own flair to them somehow and write his own solos which were like just uh, uh, amazing and like No More Tears is a great album it's just oh, fucking me out, mate. Zach no more tears is awesome. Like, it's ballady, 
shit. A lot of No More Tears is. Like, okay, what about this, right? During the early 2000s, EMG were probably the highest selling pickup manufacturer out there. Like, everyone was buying EMGs. Everyone who were. Everyone was buying, like, baggy jeans as well. And. Yeah. But yeah, people it, were buying it, baggy jeans because lots of people were wearing them. People were yeah. buying EMGs because Zach Wild was using them. They they weren't every every uh, guitarist was using them at the point. You had like guitarists from like Slipknot who were uh, playing using BC them. Rich at the time because with Zach EMGs. <laughs> yeah. No, they they were using them because they were high powered and they were doing like ridiculously gainy and low tuned guitars same with like papa roach and same with um like god knows however many like of those like god smack and and all of those kinds of smack oh my god yeah but they were they were all playing emgs because that's what was available because people thought that you wanted a matte black schecter then tuned to drop q <laughs> And that that's what was available. It weren't because of Zach Wild. Um, I think it was. Uh, everyone I knew who <laughs> Le- wanted them. Lee's writing a strongly worded letter now. <laughs> well, I think the best Australian guitarist is <laughs> indeed. Oh my god! <laughs> like, so who is your favourite Australian guitarist? Put it in the poll now. <laughs> yeah, in, we'll do the actual poll, and then in the comments of the poll, tell us who your favourite Australian guitarist is. Oh, it's got to be Colin Hay, hasn't it, from um, Men at Work. <laughs> That's such a random I mean, How would you know that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel, uh, Mel Gibson as well, he's... Uh... I mean, uh, the only person I, I love the that only account. guitarist I can think of are uh, the ACDC guys and obviously the Airborne guys. Really? Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. been Malcolm Airborne Mangus. Basically, uh, ACDC light, aren't they? Right, we should probably do some news because we're over an hour. <laughs> um, but there we go. Right, so uh, Boss GX100. This is a product that I wasn't sure why existed. So Lee is going to explain to us why this exists. Um, because it's it's basically like a small version of the GT1000. So I'm just going to look up the price of the GT1000, right? So GT1000 is around kind of one and a half, isn't it? Uh, Something like that. No, uh, GT1000 is 899 Oh, there you go. Of your great imperial credits uh, in the you, realm. You're looking at the cord, aren't you? Uh, um, I was looking at the one that's on Anderton's. <laughs> so the, the big one, the big GT1000. Yeah. No, the big one with the WA uh, is uh, 899 yeah. on Anderton's right now. Okay. And then the core yeah, the is, is 549 I mean, Ooh, so... That's so, Okay, so the, um, the GX1000... Uh, yeah. Is I think four hundred and fifty quid, so that's one reason for it. Four nine nine, four nine nine. Okay, so essentially, it's, a shape. it's a, the same price, roughly, as the GT Core. Okay. Um, firstly, it's got this great screen on it, so you've got yeah. a very touch screen, yeah. screen, which is absolutely fantastic. Mm. A bit like the head rush and and these sort of things. It's got a lot of the tones in the five hundred series in it. 
So you've got like uh-huh. um, reverbs, modulations, and these sort of things. You've got a lot of the boss pedals in there as well. So same as you would have with the GT1000, but they've missed a few bits out of it. The yeah. other reason it's a bit cheaper as well is because it's uh, only 24-bit, whereas the um, the GT1000 is 32-bit processing. So it's like yeah. uh, Is that the same with the core as well? Yeah, yeah, the core is exactly the same power as the big GT1000. Everything's the same. Mm. The only difference is it doesn't have the I.O. and it doesn't have all the switches and it doesn't have the treadle. Yeah. That's interesting it's that it's capped to 24 because it's usually boss's M.O. to do as high a bit rate as possible at the time. Well, they've got to make yeah. it cheaper, um, haven't they? Um, yeah, and it could also be a design issue from the chip shortage as well. It could be, yeah. No, it could be. What is super cool about the GX100, other than the super, super cool um, screen, is it's got the air damps. And the air damps do the... Um, yeah, from the uh, from the GT1000. Yeah. Exactly. So they model... Not just they don't just like model an amp; they model all the different components of the amp. So they they model how the cab reacts with the power amp. They model how the power amp reacts with the uh, preamp, and you get all this push pull going on. So how how one behaves affects the other two. Yeah, and, and that's just how a real amp behaves. And I think it actually goes deeper than that, but that's my very limited explanation of it. So I think it goes down to more of a an individual components yeah. basis. Um, mm. But when you play it, you feel it. So when I've played, um, when I play amps, other amps, like if I, I'm trying to think of like, uh, well, like, imagine you're using a pedal as your amp um, into a cab sim or something like that. Um, it just mm-hmm. feel pretty dead. You play your guitar and the sound comes out. But if you, if you hit your guitar a bit harder, it's, it doesn't change all that much. It does a bit, but it's not as dynamic and all these sort of things. And you don't feel like there's like sag going on there. And if you do get sag, it's almost just like someone's just putting a bit of a, a bass response to it, just changing the bass response a little bit. When you're playing with the um, with the core, it really does feel like you're playing into a proper amp. The reactions are there, and it, it feels... I don't want to say cheesy shit. Like, it feels more organic and stuff. But I'm not sure how else to describe it. Lean into it. Lean into it, Lee. Right, yeah. so uh, no, I, I get all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my question is, why does it exist when the core exists? Why does it exist when... For an extra, like, what is it, three hundred pounds? You get the the full, full GT one thousand. Like, what? Why does this exist when there's so much crossover with the other things that they have? Because it is interesting. Firstly, it's much easier to use, like so much easier to use. You've got a lot less switches on it. You've got um, the big touch screen, so it's going to be easier for. People who aren't as say as advanced as us to get onto it and use it straight away. I find the core hard to use sometimes. That's me, right? So it it could put people off. Um, this, you yeah. know, it looks just so easy to use. 
And, and then so, it's cheaper. So it is more of a beginner uh, thing. But I, I wish my core had this screen. I really do. And I really hope they make a core version of this. But, yeah, why why have those two products running concurrently? Because it seems like they're doing very similar things. Well, they're not going to update the core. It hasn't been out that long. Uh, no. Wait, sorry, the GT1000 hasn't been out that long. This This... Like I, I can't give you a def a definitive answer because I don't work at Boss, but yeah. this uh, product could be them testing the water. It could be them saying, "Okay, let's put this out uh, a lower price, get it into the market, see how people react to it, see what people um, think of the screen, and test it. And if it was well, then we'll do the GX one thousand. I don't know. Well, to be fair, there are like eighty five different versions of the head rush at this point. No, like, but the the head rush has got like the big version, then the the smaller version, and then then like the the real compact one, hasn't it? Yeah, even Helix mm. has got the LT version. This is think of this as like an LT yeah, version yeah. of the of the um, GT one thousand, but, but the, it's more featured. The, the the full fat Helix goes for like a grand and some change, and then the the LT goes for about eight hundred, and then the the HX stump goes for like four hundred. There's clear like divisions of price point between those. Same with the head rush. This is where I'm getting confused because this kind of sits in between the like it's it's at almost at the same price point as the core, and the the core has got a better bit rate. Um, but then not everyone is looking for that. I mean, like if you're just a, you know, someone up and coming and obviously buying a product like this, this is your everything. You think I'm going to get all the effects I need, all the sounds that I want, and I'm going to turn it to a gig with just this. But you could um, do that. You could do that with the, the core. No, you couldn't. Yeah, but you, you couldn't. No, you couldn't because you wouldn't have the wah. You wouldn't have all the buttons. There's a, a whole load of stuff that you would need to do extra i think this speaks to a different audience even though it is say uh you know 499 versus 899 that 400 extra quid could buy you a like a squire classic vibes or you know a decent guitar so you could walk out of the shop with a guitar and this and you're ready to play in your pub covers band like that evening yeah if you if you wanted um, to run a core and to do everything this does firstly you haven't got the one two three four switches you haven't got the, you've got a C1 switch, a control one, whereas this has got a control one and two. It's got a specific button for the tuner. This does, but you have to hit like two two together. So, you know, it makes sense. This has got the treadle on it as well. Uh, and yeah. th- that doesn't have all of that. So you, yeah. you're you missing a hell of a lot. This has got so much more than the, co- the core in terms of like flexibility. Like, you'd have to buy a shitload of things in order to make the core have what this has. Well, in, in terms of like the switching, yeah, in terms of usability. Like a, a, well, a, like a treadle is neither here nor there. You can pick up like more um, expression pedals that will do something like that. For... If I was working in a shop and someone came into me and said, "Like, I've got five hundred quid and I want to buy a multi effects," I'd be like, "Okay, look." If, if these were my two products, I was like, "Okay, do you want something that does everything for you, or do you have a board that you want to add something to?" Whatever their answer is, I've got a solution. There you go. That that answers my question a little bit more. I was still still not 
hundred percent sold on it. I think there's there's a, a bit too much. Like it's muddy in the waters of the boss catalog a little bit for me. Uh, do you know I what? Don't... They've had so many of these multi effects over the years. I don't think they're ever going to stop. Mm. Yeah, um, but and I think that it could also awesome. be that they can't produce the other one in a big enough quantity, so they have to eat their own market share. Mm. Like because of the way the world is with the chip shortage, they may have to have a different product because you when you're making a product you don't buy all of the parts you think you're going to need at the time at the beginning for the very first run you set up like standard orders over time and then parts change there's been like multiple versions of like the blues driver and and stuff like that the sd1 yeah yeah um, yeah based just on because you know parts part come in and, out, and you can do the same things but if you are reliant on a very specific chipset and it, like you know, the GT uh, the GT one thousand has done really really well. So they might have sold through all of the units that they had, and the, you know the chip shortage has come around, and they go, oh, uh, <laughs> we can't get enough of this now. Yeah. We're going to have to get at something that competes with ourselves, just so that we can keep that market share. So it might be a loss leader type situation, just so that they can keep that mind share of like we we really are the kings of the multi effects guys. You know, all the new kids coming along with their, you know, newfangled boards and stuff. But Boss is where it's been for years. You know what else there is? You know, there's all these midis, uh, all these um, like foot floorboards, would we call them? These sort of multi-effects. Yeah, 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 yeah. floor yeah. modelers, yeah. And, and they're coming out from people like Moore and, and stuff like that. Uh, and people are buying them up. And people are buying a lot of these. And there's uh, a lot of like cheap end, low end stuff. And... Boss are probably like, do you know what? We want a bit of that action. So why don't we release a mid-level thing? And people say to people, hey, spend an extra hundred quid and you can have a boss and it's going to work. You know, you've not got any worries about, oh, okay, this has gone wrong. How do I get in touch with the with the help and these sort of things? And like, who who do I speak to if something goes wrong? Because boss are excellent at that. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's the mid level stuff. In fact, do you know mm-hmm. when I was talking to to Matt about it, um, uh, he actually said that you know it's a fantastic mid level product, and I think he's right. I think it, it's designed for those people at that level. It's not designed for for us, even though I think it's absolutely fantastic. And if they did a core version of this, I'd be well into that, mainly because of the screen. I think that screen is awesome. Yeah, uh, and. I, I don't know it it's still i'm still not i'm still not sold on it i want i want feedback from our viewers on this one i want people to tell me if they understand what the gx 100 is all about i think you you've cleared it up a little bit for me but i'm still still not seeing where the where the benefit for boss kind of lies too much in it um we should probably move on to some no, some more news, and I think we'll only go for one because we are well well and above our time uh, quotient for this week. So are we going to go? I, I think the Rev Stars get saved for next week. Ah, oh, really? Yeah, oh. I think I think okay. so because I think the ultimately the the power supply is just a little bit more oh, interesting. No. I'd rather talk about the pulsar. Yeah, same. And uh, okay, well, so we'll save uh, the 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 pack. Do it quick fire. 
Do just no, like, no, no, no. The, these deserve the time. Pul- you tell us about the pulsar, man. Yeah, yeah. So go on, go on, Will. Tell us about the uh, the EHS pulsar. Okay. Well, luckily enough, I do have the article in front of me. Um, so EHX are releasing a new version of the pulsar. It is a small nano version in in their terms of more similar to the Boss. Yeah, just a standard compact the, here. Nano. Yeah, than the the huge pedals that they've had before. Um, I seem to remember the. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was right. The Stereo Pulsar was a three-knobbed version, and this new one has four. The old version had, what was it, depth, shape, and rate, and then this one has depth, shape, uh, rate, and a volume control for nice. the first time on the Pulsar. So you can have it, Yeah, um, I would imagine, boosted a little bit, yeah, because to as, when you the, add tremolo. Yeah, to offset the, yeah. The, volu- the perceived volume dip of a tremolo. Yeah, yeah. And it, it does say stereo, but it, it does it is the same thing as the regular stereo pulsar of it's mono in stereo split. So it's not true stereo. Uh, you couldn't use it with like a keyboard if you had, you know, a stereo source. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's still got a, a nine volt battery inside. Uh, and that that is kind of it. I did have one of the bigger ones of the pulsar before. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was real good. <laughs> in-depth review there that's it yeah it's, i it was so long ago that's the thing it was like when i was first getting into pedals yeah. like um like 12 years ago i picked up one i was using it on bass because i was that weird kid who was just like bass effects let's do that mom, and, mom, mom. yeah because you would really want to be messing around adding like amplitude modulation to the core of like the foundation of the song that's it yeah I'm sure someone gets a good use out of bass tremolo, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah, it it really does muddy the waters somewhat, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I think EHX um, they've not been releasing as much recently, but I think that that makes sense because the Pulsar is one of those pedals that you see about. It's not necessarily like the the go to that everyone would think of, but it's like it's just a mainstay. It's one of those things that will always be in the in the shops um but big box pedals are just a bit cumbersome yeah this is this is the thing if i look broadly at the market and kind of do some analysis i see ehx be having right. that realization of oh you froze <laughs> you, you dipped for just a touch oh did i oh sorry okay i'll start again um so yeah if i look at, at the market and see like how everything is going i think ehx has had that kind of realization right if they're like pedalboard space is getting smaller and smaller and that means the real estate is like more expensive so we can't put out these like the the huge 1590 bb which is like the standard double size size yeah the double size we can't do that anymore um because or you can but it has to be something that's gonna be worth it useful yeah so like a rv500 dv500 you know that kind of size units where it's a multi-effects of a genre of type of yeah. things. But for if someone's got a, like a single off modulation um, or a delay standard... <laughs> or, like, or like a fuzz pedal. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Um, yeah, it's then, too much. Yeah, yeah. You, it's too much. You have to do a smaller size because otherwise people just won't buy it yeah. and won't put it on regular boards and stuff like that. And that's how AHX has always been in that kind of realm of stuff. I'm surprised they didn't go smaller. 
Yeah. Um, with Because they're doing this for almost every pedal in their range. There is now a nano version of it. Yeah. Um, what I'm surprised is that they didn't go for the top mount um, approach because that seems to be the big complaint that that yeah. will save you the the real estate. That that's the thing that will actually save you the real real estate on the board is yeah. getting those like the the sides of the pedals as close together yeah. as possible. Often to facilitate that, you need a taller case, and yeah. EHX use off the shelf uh, yeah, extruded kind of aluminium ha- cases. Yeah, the Hammond style, don't they? Yeah, they do. And um, there isn't a Hammond style in that smaller footprint that is that tall. You could probably do it, but it would mean juggling around the components on the inside, moving the pots further down. Yeah. And then you're at risk of when you hit the foot switch, you hit your pots, which isn't great uh, from a, like a warranty point of view. Yeah. Um, so and it's it's tough in that thing. But yeah, there are cases out on the market like the Gorva ones yeah. uh, that I use, uh, where you can get stuff in that size, where you don't, you can do a single PCB on the inside and have top-mounted jacks. Yeah, I think that that's where they keep their prices down as well, because EHX are very, very well priced. Yeah, they're they're not they they're not garbage choice of components that they're picking but they are using cheaper stuff. Yeah, they're using the smart um, choices, aren't they? Yeah, so it's more like smart price rather than like little special. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's not it's, that, yeah. that is their their range of where they're they're buying their components. But, you know, they're still doing stuff that makes the manufacturing super easy as well. Like they are um the jacks are soldered to the board. Yeah. Um to make uh, assembly super easy. There's lots of like ways that they're doing it to to make it so that they can hit that really low price point. Yeah, mo- someone like Boss can make ten thousand pedals. Most companies do that. Though. Of good quality. Most huh? companies yeah, do we've... that nowadays. Yeah, it, it's just to to help uh, speed up and testing as well. Like if you've got all of these PCBs that need to be inside cases to be able to test them, you can't really QC them very well until the very end, and then you're taking apart stuff. Yeah, um, which which is kind of crap. So yeah, I think it's an interesting path forward for them. I honestly thought they would have gone smaller though. No, yeah, I, I don't it, think. That, um, I think when you go smaller than this sort of MXR style size, you end up um, you you're end not up saving much space anyway. Yeah, exactly. I, I do agree that they should have put the they should start putting things on the top, like the jacks on the top. But mm. that's harder to do with a stereo pedal, and, and at this side. Yeah, that is true. Also. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you could have done a stereo jack, but TRS. that's kind of hard to communicate to yeah. us guitarists who are a bit dumb sometimes. I mean, that, that is the thing with um, electroharmonics pedals; they they are pretty damn easy to use, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there is an ease of use factor. I'm just kind of like looking at this. <laughs> it's like yeah, that wasn't Look at memory man. Yeah. this is the memory right. man 550 TT, and it's got like. Six knobs and then these two buttons that switch between the tap divisions and the expression mode. Um, not the hardest thing in the world to use, but for electro harmonics pedal, it's a uh, three jacks on either yeah. side. You know that sort of thing. I reckon that's uh, that's where we should wrap it for this week because we are rapidly approaching an hour and a half. So yep. I'm going to extend a thank you to our Patreon backers who are awesome. 
And for as little as $2 a month, you can be part of this exclusive, super sexy, cool crew. The people are as follows. Mr. Andrew Bimson, Mr. Adam Yeomans, Mr. Doug Christ of 37 Effects, of Masters of the Cinematic Universe, and the Just Surprise Me podcast. We've got Mr. Hugh G. Rection. <laughs> we have, we've got Mr. Ben Fletcher of Fletcher Pickups. And we've got Mr. Brian Gower of the Tone Jerks podcast and of the Second Bottle podcast. Um, if you want to catch me online, I am Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. You can find me at Budget Pedal Chap at YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. YouTube is the home to the No Talk All Tone series and now the No Talk All Tone Versus series. What? This week is going to feature the Joyo Ultimate Drive versus the TC Dark Matter. Who will win? You decide. Um, Leap. Where can we find you online? Well, you can find me anywhere you want, baby. (laughs) Okay. And Will, where can we find you? Uh, my I do things with a rocket complex. We are a band uh, and turned pedal company. Um, uh, you can find us. Just search for a rocket complex. Uh, also, uh, don't buy a house. Don't break your back. That, <laughs> I'll see you in a year. Also, you can find me on pedalboards at Zoom and Tonepedia wherever you like. FM. Indeed. And that will be us for this week. So, from myself, Mr. Budget Pedal Chip, from uh, Will and yep. from Lee Padabadababadaboo. Yabadabadoom. Mm. Bye, not Matt. It, it, it will be a tatty bye and good night. Bye. Bye. Love you. <laughs> oh, that is, that's fantastic. That is staining. <laughs>